Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, Superintendent of West Aurora Schools, and welcome to podcast number 21. Today, we are featuring Laura Beatus, Professional Development Coordinator for School District 129. Now, in addition to being a School District 129 alumna and a self-proclaimed West Aurora lifer, she and her husband, Mike, have three children who have come through our schools, Grant, Hannah, and our soon-to-be newest alumni, West High graduate, Brock. So, Laura, we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you very much. It's awesome to have you. Thank you. I know there's lots of pressure. You don't have anybody else looking at you, though, so it's just us. Just us. We're looking to have a good conversation. So, um, you know, people pick this up and listen to it in a variety of times, places, and opportunities. So they may just be driving into work and wanting to hear about Laura Beatus and what she's all about. So tell us. Tell us a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. I know you started here in West Aurora, and then you came back to us. So talk to us a little bit about that path, if you would. Yeah. Born and raised, Freeman, Washington, uh, 1987 graduate Nicely of done. West Aurora High School. Yeah, and it was never a question coming back. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, I, full disclosure, had zero interviews in any other district. Now, mind you, I was special education, and even back then, you know, that was a pretty needed position, Um, but graduated from Illinois State, and, um, you know, I think teaching was just in my blood. I remember growing up, I was always the school teacher. You know, I would rally the neighborhood kids around, and I always had to be the teacher. And something interesting, too, like, I never had a plan B, so you know how sometimes, I'll, I'll even hear now, like, new teachers say, well, if teaching doesn't work out, I'll just do whatever. And I never had a, I still, like, I never had a plan B. So in my blood, um, my dad, he was, um, came out of Western Illinois, educator, um, student taught in the late 60s at West Aurora, uh, PE driver's ed, was hired. Now, at that time, my parents were married, which is crazy to me to think. And my mom was expecting me. So my dad gets this new job. And what I forgot to tell you is um, they were East Siders. So fellow Tomcats. You want to hold that against them? No, met in German class when they were 15 years old. And uh, my grandfather, so here, you know, my mom is pregnant um, for me. I I was born in September, so my dad gets hired the summer before. They bought a little house over on Fordham. Super excited. Um, My grandfather, who was also a Tomcat, uh, did not talk to my parents for six months because he (laughs) crossed the river and took a position (laughs) at West. So, um, yeah, in in my blood. And so I grew up. Um, in my very young years at West. Um, and then my dad took a position at Mooseheart and was there for several years. And that kind of became my second home. So I guess I've always just been around educators and around schools. Um, so yes, ISU graduate, come home. And that was interesting because my first and only interview was at Greenman Elementary. And at the time, Doug Zolper was um, the principal there. He was in his later years, but I knew him as Mr. Zolper. His daughter was a very close friend of mine. And so it was just really interesting sitting across from a man who honestly I grew up kind of fearing. He was kind of the scary dad, like we had no parties at the Zolpers or (laughs) anything like that. But yes, so he offered me the position in May. And so I had that whole summer to prepare. And I was hired as a special education teacher and did that for 10 years at Greenman. And then big changes happened for Greenman. I was in the original building. And in 2004, we moved into what is now Greenman Elementary. And so I had been a special 
educator there for 10 years and I was just ready for a challenge. And um, we had a first grade teacher who was retiring after a long tenure and I just kind of slid into that position. And I think that was when this whole idea of like teacher leadership started for me. Um, At that point, I was considered a veteran member of that staff. Um, I was on the design committee that designed that building, which was quite an honor. But I started having enough confidence to kind of branch out. And I realized that we need teacher leaders. I still believe in that. Like we need teacher leaders. We're quick to kind of pull our, our real good teachers out of the classroom and you know, they become administrators. And I saw a need for keeping those good teachers in the classroom and really kind of mentoring them. And, you know, bottom line is that's a tough job. Principals can't do it all. Absolutely. So uh, they need help. And that's where teacher leadership comes I want to probe a little bit more uh, down some of the recruiting piece here in a little bit. But one of the things I was kind of interesting, the family connections that you made, Mm -hmm. the social markers that you referred to, like you didn't have parties at this house. Um, You know, you had parents of your friends that are now your your boss. Um, But it was interesting that when you talked about your grandfather didn't speak because of the, the perceived slight because they crossed the river into West Territory. And here we are in 2022. And my guess would be there could be some of those same sentiments that if you go from east to west or west to east, that you might be considered a traitor in those those rivalry type of uh, context. So it's kind of interesting. Some things don't change over a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you, you prompted uh, or piqued my interest a little bit when you said that you were a veteran staff member. And that's when that that concept of teacher leadership started to come to the forefront. So what indicators, because I think this is something a lot of our young educators will probably wonder, what kind of told you that you were ready to step into some of that role? Well, interestingly enough, I don't think I knew. I think I was nudged, and I attribute that to a lot of wonderful people um, in this district, and I carry that with me today. I think that there is great power in personal invitation. Um, I think when we ask someone personally and um, kind of give them the confidence, the little nudge, the little push Absolutely. Mm-hmm, that that helps. So I would say that um, I needed that push. I'm still, you know, to this day, I, I need to be pushed. And uh, so anytime I can c- encourage my colleagues to do that for someone else, I think it's a great gift. Awesome. So let's get personal. Okay. Okay. And I know that uh, Anna prompted me. She, I think I think I'm getting set up for something here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it anyways. Okay. So there's a connection of your marriage proposal and an educational perspective that you're passionate about. Mm. So are you okay with telling that story? Yeah, it's, it's a supposed good one. to be a great story. <laughs> Here's the setup. I hope I don't disappoint. You won't. Okay. Well, let's go back to that whole east-west side thing. Okay. So um, my husband of 29 years grew up on the east side of Aurora. So he will tell you he's a tomcat. However, um, he went all through Lutheran private school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was at Western Illinois. I was at Illinois State. Uh, my cousin introduced us. I can truly say it was like love at first sight. And so you start to you know, you, you, you date for a reason, right? You start to see someone's values. Do they align with yours? And so early on, we had a conversation that got quite heated about public versus private schools. Um, 
I feel like I'm a pretty easy person to get along with, but that is a non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> that was a non-negotiable then. It's a non-negotiable now. And honestly, like full disclosure, it, uh, it caused some pretty heated conversations. And so fast forward to the marriage proposal. So let me set the scene. His mom worked uh, the Aurora Policeman Credit Union. And back then, um, bankers typically had Wednesdays half day to golf, sure. right? So she was kind of part of that scene. And so every Wednesday, because she had the time, she would cook dinner. And I would go over on Wednesday nights. And so we were sitting in his family room. And Wheel of Fortune was on, one of, remains one of our favorite shows. And he literally got down on one knee. And uh, I collected precious moments. I'm not sure if anyone is still aware of those. They're little, little ceramic figurines. Mm. So he takes this figurine out. And um, it's a little boy holding a paper and a pencil with a yes or no on the, and then the ring he had attached to the little pencil. And so he said, will you marry me? And I said, will our children go to public school? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, yes. And that's the end of the story. So uh, That's outstanding. Yeah. But I, I think that that just shows you the value I place on public education. And um, at that point, we decided to move into the community and we've raised our three children. That's here. awesome. Yeah. That's commitment. Yes. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm glad that he said yes so that you could say yes and that you're both here to bring your children here as yes, well. Yeah. That's awesome. What a great story. So I'm going to build upon that public high school conversation a little bit, uh, especially our comprehensive high school. So West High, obviously, being one of the larger single uh, school uh, high schools in the state of Illinois, mm -hmm. allows the opportunity to provide not only, you know, you think about our AP and our dual credit offerings just because of our sheer number, but a tremendous number of activities, uh, clubs, um, athletic sports. And I know that your children, uh, speaking of your kids, uh, took great advantage of that. Um, if you could share, because this is something that we, we always talk about, we always push, get involved, get involved, take the opportunity. You have four years to make this choice and choose them. After that, they choose you. And then all of a sudden it's graduation day and we go, oh, we just missed some of those opportunities. But if you could talk a little bit about what those opportunities, how they have positively impacted your children. Sure. So three children and three very different trajectories, very mm. different West Aurora experiences. My oldest, Grant, was a 2014 graduate. Athletics were never his thing. We tried. <laughs> he tried. But academics were. Sure. Um, and so he fully took advantage of those courses, those AP courses, um, Calc 1, Calc 2, Calc 3. He, too, knew kind of early on engineering was his thing. He, he did participate in extracurriculars, and that was an amazing experience, which was banned for him. And um, he had an opportunity to not only be a part of that, but also to travel. And um, goodness, they went to Cleveland and Washington, D.C., um, Fourth of July Parade, marched through that. Um, Disney World. And so um, that was kind of his core group. And as a parent, you so appreciate that. He He's the quieter type. And so he instantly, because band camp happens before school even starts. And so he had already, you know, kind of had a core group going into that high school experience. Sure. Um, he would tell you that that course experience um, is what enabled him to start to apply for some pretty highly competitive engineering schools. And he graduated from Michigan Tech, which is um, well recognized in the country for their for their engineering program. So that was kind of his experience, um, and he's so grateful for that. 
And then I have a daughter, Hannah. She's a 2014 graduate. And early on, she knew that she wanted to play college competitive, you know, sports. And um, her experience at West, um, she too had a great one academically, but hers was that softball experience. So I think even now, they that team that she was on, I mean, they won a regional title, they won a sectional title, made it to super sectionals, still hold the record for most wins in a season. Um, but that whole experience culminated into her getting that scholarship. And so she's currently at Grand Valley State University in Michigan, college pitcher, World Series last year. She was named an All-American. But I tell you all of that because she would say that so much of what she learned on that West Aurora softball field then transferred into her. Absolutely. You know, even today. So she's in graduate school, actually, still able to play because of a COVID year and an injury year. But she would tell you that that transferred into her um, being offered an opportunity to work in the athletic office there. And she she actually hopes to stay, that they will keep her and that will become her new home. Great experiences. Um, yeah, awesome experiences. She also had the experience of DECA, which mm. is a really big um, club over there and was able to compete nationally. They went out to California. And then that brings me to Brock and he will graduate in May. Brock is definitely a combination of his brother and sister. I love that kid. He wakes up with a smile in the morning, smile still there at night. Um, and so it was devastating because he too was on the path for, he's a pitcher and was all set to go and play in college. And then um, this summer tore his UCL. Mm. And so now you have a kid who, in my mind, was kind of robbed of that whole college search anyway with COVID. And so he thought he had a best laid plan until he didn't um, enter Hope Wall, which is such a like random kind of thing to go go off about. But um, he was part of a program that they have over at the high school called PE Leaders. Yes. And so he started in the fall and um, absolutely fell in love with that community and those kids and realized that, you know, maybe that injury happened for a reason. And um, so he is all set to attend Illinois State majoring in special education uh, with a dream of coming back here. So yay. That's incredible. <laughs> pass the, yeah, pass the torch. Um, I'm so grateful for that experience. I, I can't even tell you. you had this kid that, you know, was lost coming into, into fall and within a couple of weeks really found his, his niche, so to speak. That's a, that's a great story. And it certainly is a, uh, probably a great poster or a public service announcement for our parents, especially of those incoming freshmen get involved, get involved. There's tons of opportunities. There, I don't think there is a, an organization that we don't have uh, that doesn't meet one of our kids' needs. And I, I do want to highlight, too, you mentioned Hope Wall, and not everyone knows what Hope Wall is. Hope Wall is just under about 180 students uh, between East and West Aurora School District, pre-K through transition, so through 22 years old, um, of really high, severe needs, um, physically, medically, cognitively, um, those really high challenge kids that a lot of districts place out of their district and we choose to keep them in. And if, if you ever want to have a feel good pick me up about yourself and about the world, go to Hope Wall. Those are some incredible people, not only our staff, but our kids. Uh, so I, I absolutely, I put a smile on my face when you talk about Brock's experience over there because you walk in and it's just, you're uplifted. So that's awesome that he picked up on that and ran. Yeah, we just uh, for you. attended the basketball game. So then they have the the PE leaders versus the, uh, you know, students. And 
You are so right. Like you can go in there and have had the worst of days and you come out and you just realized, you just realize how blessed your, Absolutely. your life is. Every so, day, all day. Yeah. He said to me the other night, mom, you know, I, I knew I'd make connections with those kids. I just didn't know they'd become friends. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. Absolutely is. And for our kids to say that. So this is going to age you a little bit because you talked about, you know, your very first and only interview and, and working through Greenman. So in your current role, because this is this is our eighth year as, a, as an administration when we got hired in 2014. This is your eighth year in this role as well. And I, as, as the professional development coordinator, it probably is fair to say there's not tons of districts that have the standalone full-time positions available for our staff. Um, so I'm going to ask you to just shed some of your own opinion. Having this full-time role, having you available to our, our nearly 1,800 staff members, how do you think that's impacted um, our staff members um, and provided some focus in this very important role that you fill? So, yeah, that was my second interview. Um, you passed. I passed. Thank goodness. I remember. So that position wasn't posted because our new administration had come in and late that year. And this, I remember June 14th, um, this posting came out. I was sitting at a softball field going through email, no intention whatsoever of coming out of the classroom. And I started reading like what they were looking for in that role as professional development coordinator. And I, I literally like got the chills thinking, my goodness, everything I've done you know, these past 23 years, I think may have led me to this role. And I say that because um, at that point, you know, having the different roles, the different committees, um, the different leadership roles that I had taken on, I felt like I had a really good collaborative relationship with our staff, not just the Greenman staff, but, you know, teachers in other buildings, friendships, relationships. So anyway, I, I Back to your question about, you know, this role, I think it speaks volumes for how we feel about our people. I was just over at Aurora University this morning talking to some future educators, and this is very unique. I, I shared with them, you will not up and down the river find a district who has dedicated, you know, solely a position to supporting teachers. So I think this role impacts um, our staff in two ways. There's, you know, the whole induction piece of it, and then there's the professional learning side. So let's talk induction. You know, social media likes to tell us that we have a teacher shortage, and I think we do have a shortage in some areas, but I think it's still a very competitive profession. And so I think that when you are able to say, hey, you know, come here, and we have a person dedicated to making sure that... At the end of the year, you have found success and you're ready to come back more prepared than you were when you entered. That's a big selling point. So Absolutely. I think we have a big, big advantage there. And then on the professional learning side, you're still able to have that conversation with that same future educator and let them know that, you know, we believe education is a lifelong developmental process. Like you never master this profession. I don't care how long you've been teaching, what your resume says, what your title is. We never master this profession. And so I think it is very comforting for our new educators or new staff um, to know that not only are we going to support them with people, but we are going to support them with a system and a structure that was built solely to make sure that they grow in their professional practice. 
You know, and I and I want to kind of expound upon that. You talk a little about the induction, but there was that recruiting process. You know, and there is there's there's probably a general workforce crisis that's out there that impacts education. There's not not nearly as many people going into um, the world of education. There certainly is not very many people wanting to move up the ranks through administration. So through your role, what are some things that you do that help build that pipeline either internally to move them forward, such as you have experienced, but also to bring them into this field of education? Mm-hmm. So I think we're really lucky, like Aurora University is walking distance from most of our our schools. And so I'll use them as an example. We are working really hard partnering with Aurora University to do exactly that, to build a pipeline of future educators. Let me let me pivot a little bit here. You mentioned um, your youngest wakes up in the morning, smile on his face, comes home, finishes the day, smile on his face. One of your trademarks, Lower Beatus, is a smile on your face a bright outlook. Everybody goes, man, I come away, just smile on my face and I feel better, brings lots of positivity. Where does that come from? Well, it's hard work. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, like I, I share that with new educators all the time. And and actually anybody that I can have this conversation with that happiness takes a lot of work Mm. and um, it's a choice. I remember early on um, one of your addresses at the beginning of the year to all of us. um, And you shared that, you know, E plus R equals O that events plus response equal outcome. And we can't always control. And that's what I shared with with Brock, you know, when he suffered this injury, like, buddy, you, you, life's going to throw you some challenges. um, And we don't get to pick what those are. But we do get to choose how we respond to that. Absolutely. Um, And so yeah, that's an important message. This is not an easy profession. You know, even this morning when I was over at Aurora University talking with those future educators, I think the first thing we can do is let them know that it's not easy. You know, we see movies and we read books and I think we dream of this perfect classroom and that's not the reality. And so I think it's our job, my job in particular, to make sure that we early on give them tips, tools, and tricks for their toolbox so that when they do, those events do happen, they know how to respond because they're going to happen. Absolutely. And I think that's really being honest. And I think the challenge of coming out and through the pandemic of the the in and out, the back and forth uh, these past 24 months has been exacerbated in terms of that idyllic classroom. There is no idyllic classroom, and it's, every day is, hey, let's let's put them on, let's go, let's strap up, and uh, really take on the day. So uh, your positivity goes a long ways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, giving you that sage on the stage opportunity here, and you talked about those future educators. What kind of advice do you give to those early educators? who are kind of scratching their head when you said, hey, do I have a plan B or do I have a next phase or what if this doesn't work out? How do you encourage them to work through this challenge, this grind, this every day is just a, you know, you're never going to get to the mastery and every day I'm just looking to get better than the previous day. How do you coach them forward? That's tough. I think one of the things that we are struggling with coming out of this pandemic is reacclimating ourselves with each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're a people business. Like, I think we forget that sometimes. We're a big people, little people business. Um, and so one of the pieces of advice I would give to them is that, you know, surround yourself with, with people who push you forward. And we have a lot of those people in our district. Sometimes they have to be sought out. Um, but we talk about that a lot in our induction classes, you know, like, um, 
it's that old adage, like you're known by the company you keep. And, and I, I'll, full disclosure, this happens where I do my best to set them up for success. So I spend a lot of time over the summer. Um, I call it a, an arranged marriage, so to speak, the mentor-mentee relationship. I want to believe I chose the right mentor for them, but sometimes, I mean, you know, it, it does not work out. And so you get this future educator who comes in ready to change the world, and depending upon who their circle of people are in sure. that building, come December, they're they're questioning, gosh, did I make the right decision? So that's where I can step in and... Um, you know, give them so those tips, tools, and tricks for their toolbox and, you know, let them know that we're the average of the five people we hang out with the most. Like, you let that resonate a minute, and for me anyway, faces start to pop up in my head, and, and that's my choice, right, who I choose to spend my time with. And so we encourage them to seek out those people in their buildings that will really push them forward. It's great advice, great advice. So I'm going to push you a little bit. To be a little futuristic here. Now you're not there yet. You talked about your your early days in the educational realm and some of your travels and experiences. When you finally make that that decision that says, "Okay, I'm I'm done with education at least in this facet and want to move to a different phase of life," and you say, "I'm ready to retire." How do you want to be remembered? What do you want that legacy of Lower Beatus to be? Mm, that's a good one. It's funny because quite a few, I, I recently saw a list of retirees and quite a few of those names we sat in orientation together on the first day. And I just can't even believe that that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm struggling, to be honest with that, a little bit. But I think, you know, I, I want to leave this place better than when I entered. Now, the question is like, when was my entrance date? You know, was it kindergarten day one mm. at Freeman? Or was it, you know, that day that Mr. Zulper had me come and, and sign my contract? I'm not sure. Um, what I do know is that my hope is that when my grandchildren are in this district, that something that I contributed um, will be a part of their experience here in, in West Aurora 129, whether that's a, a student teacher that maybe will make an impact on them or an elementary, middle, or high school person, an administrator. I'm really just hoping to leave this place better than when I arrived. That's an awesome legacy, and uh, I'm sure it will be realized, and we appreciate all that you do. Thank you. you know, and I, I just want to put a, uh, an exclamation point on, um, you know, when we when we created this role, um, I think we, we kind of knew in our mind what we wanted and who we wanted, uh, but then enter you and what you brought to the table and what you have demonstrated over the past eight years. Probably, if we could put that on a job description, um, I think it would be idyllic for us uh, because I think you make a difference in those new teachers. I think they know you're there to support them. When we do our professional development offerings, um, your efforts are rewarded by the number of teachers that sign up for it that come out in the summertime to participate and glean so that they can work towards mastery in this, this skill, in this, uh, this art of teaching. And so uh, for all those efforts, um, I say thank you. And uh, I hope that um, the teachers that you impact come back and say thank you as well because this is a unique opportunity for them. So we appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thank you. And if you could put a plug in for me, I, uh, this will be the first time in 12 years that we have not had, starting fall um, of next year, a, a child um, at the high school. <laughs> and have you ever gone to the football or basketball games and there is an actual section of um, former parents um, who, and I love this about our community, who, who still choose to come and support other people's kids, right? Sure. And, I, and I love that. I think that speaks volumes for our community, too, that um, it's not just my kid. They're our children. So if you could somehow arrange for me to have, like, a spot in that section. <laughs> I think we have some contacts. It would be greatly appreciated. And I, I guess I would close with this, for, um, and hopefully this will will uh, catch attention of someone listening. But, you know, you get to that point in your life where, you know, retire. my husband retired last year. And so we started taking these little, like, mini trips to see what will Chapter 2 look like? Where will we be? You know, what state will we be in? What will that look like? And... Um, I was thinking about that this morning. My favorite book as, as a child was called The Best Nest. And it was about these two birds, Mr. and Mrs. Bird. And they were just tired of their nest. And so they set out to look for a new nest. And what they realized, and I think it's, I think the phrase that's repeated in the book is, is something like, I love my house, I love my nest, but in the world, my nest is best. And so Mr. and Mrs. Bird realize, like, no, the nest we have is the nest that we need to stay in. And so I think that my husband and I have been, like, on this journey to find our new nest, only to have been brought back <laughs> to our original nest. So we're staying, and I definitely need that spot at the West Aurora basketball and football games. And Hopefully they'll make way for me. Because I'm sure they will be. for their new club member. All right, great. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And we appreciate you being a part of the conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would just remind folks to remember that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Thank you.